0: This is something, you know, it's, it's almost like the Seinfeld effect. Like it's funny because it's true. Like we all experience the same thoughts, the same struggles in business and tech and marketing. And so it's kind of just like putting a face and a voice behind those thoughts that probably everybody else is thinking, but not saying. Turn it up. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson.
1: And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind
0: some of the coolest companies from around the globe.
1: The one request we tell our guests?
0: Stories or didn't happen?
1: A big welcome to our marketing fans. Prepare to turn the f*** up. What's
0: up, Joe? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Excited for this. You, you've you been putting out great stuff on Twitter and just enjoying that. And it's finally great to chat face-to-face. But I wanted to start. And for everybody, what is what was your journey in marketing? Tell us a little about yourself, and then we can talk about marketing.
0: Sure. My journey... Started in finance actually. So I finished my undergrad in 06 and was kind of working in finance, real estate development, and I hated it. I I loved data and numbers, but really didn't enjoy the kind of lack of creativity, I guess, because you're kind of have so many regulations with what you can do with with numbers and everything and projecting. So I decided I want to go into marketing with kind of my data background and. I'd always planned to get an MBA. So I went back and got an MBA and just focused on marketing. From there, I've just kind of had a great career in doing pretty much everything. I was at Adobe for over seven years and led content, social research, demand teams there. Was CMO at a company called CloudApp for about three years. Kind of did the startup thing going from seed to series A funding. And then now I'm at Scorpion where I lead kind of all of digital marketing. You know, it's been a fun journey. And I think I've really learned that the things that I love and and don't necessarily love and and need to hire, you know, experts that love it <laughs> on my team to fill in those gaps and it's been really fun.
1: It's interesting that you come from a finance background. How did you shift into like brand and content? where like finance is like very logical and formulaic where brand and creative and content is like exploring that creative side of your brain. How did you make that shift?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I found a nice balance. I kind of got into marketing right when digital was taking off. So now obviously digital spend is higher than traditional marketing spend for the last probably like five years or so. So it was a it was a pretty easy shift honestly and really valuable in that I was able to use kind of my data background and familiarity with numbers to really look at the data driven piece of marketing and and dive into you know everything should be tracked and everything should have be attributed and you can see you know where every lead's coming from and then at Adobe for four, just over four years, I was leading a team called the Adobe Digital Index. It was kind of like a, it was a nice hybrid of data and uh, marketing in that we analyzed the Adobe Marketing Cloud data, which tracks about nine out of every ten dollars spent online, and you know most major companies use Adobe Analytics on their website, so we would analyze that data and come up with reports, uh, you know, predicting Black Friday spending. And I used like social buzz to predict movie profitability before a movie came out and had that, you know, report quoted in CNBC and Hollywood, report- Hollywood Reporter and all kinds of, you know, other outlets. So I kind of had like a fun sandbox to really grow in marketing and put together these really robust content pieces, but they're, you know, centered around data and research.
1: I love that. I love how you combined it, your data background for content. Cause I think a lot of content is missing that specifics and of like numbers and real, real life data. A lot of it's just up in the air, but you took that approach of taking what you know, you best and blending it in. I wondered, cause I get this question a lot and I, I I wonder how you would answer it is how can a marketer become data driven and understand data? Because I think a lot of, a lot of younger marketers struggle with that. And a lot of markets that I see are not good with data. They don't know how to read it. They don't know how to learn it. So where would you start with that?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, so if you're looking like entry, entry level marketer, like I didn't really know marketing, or any of that stuff. And so I like kind of taught myself. I mean, I was, I was in school, so I was learning school as well, but I set up my own blog and was I was, at the time the NBA lockout was happening, it was like 2009 or 2008 when I was in grad school. And so I was writing, you know, like daily updates on the NBA lockout and business effects on business and kind of like trying to take that angle. I added Google analytics to the blog. I had zero money. So I, you know, put $5 a month in traffic toward my blog just to like, see how AdWords worked. And like, obviously I set up my, I actually set up my Twitter account in 09. It's kind of like a recruiting, uh, like I was connecting with a lot of recruiters on Twitter because LinkedIn was, was super crowded with, you know, uh, people trying to hit up recruiters from companies. So Yeah, I kind of like taught myself and built my own little like not really business because that that my it was not my goal to like build that into a business, but I kind of taught myself through my own my own efforts. And then honestly, like a lot of those skills are transferable even at a an Adobe. Adobe gets, I don't know, 50 million visits to its website every year kind of just guessing, but you know, my blog got like a hundred visits a month, but like the way you analyze the data and kind of like come up with patterns of what you're looking at, it's really the same. You know, it's not like it, it doesn't really change much with like larger numbers basically. So I think there's a lot of just like find what you're comfortable with, know, understand that data is a huge part of digital marketing and, and then just, you know, invest in it.
1: Have you continued throughout your career having side projects to keep you fresh? Or has how have you been like learning on the job as you've grown in your career?
0: Sure. Yeah, I, I have. I've done consulting on the side. I, I have kind of my own website. I don't put a ton of effort into it. I honestly am kind of enjoying the startup corporate life right now, at least for this part of my life. So I've done a little bit on the side, but mostly it's just been, I talk to a lot of people and I also, I do a lot of like free conversations, honestly. Like I don't always expect to be paid. Like I'll have friends that'll reach out and they'll be like, Hey, can I, can I buy you lunch? And we'll chat, you know, marketing and content demand and, you know, product marketing. And, and I usually say yes and find the time and think that really helps kind of hone my craft. And I've honestly, like the two best things for me was going to Adobe and then leaving Adobe. So like going to Adobe, I got to see this, how this massive, awesome company works. And I love my, love my time there. And then leaving Adobe, I got to put that into practice as a CMO at a startup. And so I got to actually kind of do everything versus just being a cog in a giant machine. So it was nice to learn and be a student of some really great leaders at Adobe for a long time. And then it was great to like put that into process. And in that process, I talked to a lot of other CMOs and was like, Hey, what's, what's your best campaign you guys have done? Like, what's, what's your biggest source of demand? Like I just asked a lot of questions and was, have just been a student, you know, my entire career.
1: Yeah. I love that. Cause I think a lot of That's how I feel at Clearbird right now is I I talk to a bunch of different marketers and I think that keeps me fresh in marketing. There's obviously on the ground executing too, but the ability to have conversations with a bunch of smart marketers and also filtering out the opinions that aren't so good is like a a great way to do, do it. I'm just wondering, so you put out some like humorous tweets on, on Twitter how has that become your like persona like where did those like those ideas spark from because you have a, a humorous, tr- humorous at least like two or three humorous tweets a week that go pretty yeah. get a bunch of engagement how where do they come from like where do you think about these like are these stored in your phone how do you think <laughs> about that
0: most of my stuff is random musings i don't know i mean that's just i just i think it, a lot of like the social stuff, the social side of marketing is, it really is like finding your voice. You know, people will find, will appreciate your voice. And that's just, you know, mine is kind of like quirky marketer dad right now. I'm like all in on this, like I'm training for an Ironman in the fall and I'm, you know, working on this balance book. And so I'm kind of like moving into those types of territories, but like, I mean, I've been doing it long enough that I kind of know how to craft things a little bit. Uh, You can't guarantee virality, of course, but like you can craft a tweet to a point that you think, oh, this is easily shareable.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I love it. They were super relatable and I think a lot of marketers get that. And I think the relatability, it's, it's funny because a lot of people think their thoughts are very... Only there's like nobody else experiences their th- these type of thoughts, but when you start putting your voice out there on social, you realize there are, there's a tribe of people that think exactly like you or have some of the same thoughts as you at some points of time. What are some of the biggest learnings you have learned that you would tell your twenty year old marketing self? if you can go back and tell your twenty year old marketer self? And because, and teach yourself marketing. What would you have told yourself? First of all, that it's
0: it's a, definitely a journey, not a sprint. Obviously, you get more perspective as you get older. And I'm not I'm 39 this year, so I've still got a lot to learn. But I think once I started looking at my career, this was probably like when I turned maybe early 30s. I started seeing, hey, my career is like a 40 year window. It's a very long window. So like, no, I don't need to be a CMO right now. I don't need to be the founder of a company. Like you look at some like uh, Elon Musk, you know, uh, Mark Benioff, like they they founded their companies, like in a lot of their companies in their forties. Like it's not like they were, everybody is this like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, founding this massive company out of Harvard. So I started kind of looking at like, the longevity of my career. And, and I'm not one of those people that like wants to retire when I'm like 40. If I live another 40 years, that kind of sounds miserable. Like I, I enjoy working, I enjoy learning and I enjoy the adrenaline and the, str- the struggle, you know, pushing through that. So I started looking at this long journey and I was like, now I'm in this phase of this and, you know, I've got my little kids at home. So I Like the CMO thing actually wasn't great for me. Like I actually took, I went to a bigger company. So I have like bigger budgets and more people to manage, but like less, I don't have that CMO title. Like I didn't necessarily want it anymore. So I took a step back a little bit because I was like, Hey, my family, like I need to focus a lot on them too, because they're a big piece of my life. So seeing it as just a journey and, and, you know, there's Kind of four pieces of your life, like your mental, your physical, your emotional, and your spiritual side, like investing in each of those. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, hey, don't worry so much about work. Like, it'll, you'll be fine. There'll be a path for you and just kind of work hard and find out what your path is and it'll eventually come. Right.
1: Do you understand how your technology stack comes together? Or have you spent hours on end trying to get a full picture of how your organization uses marketing tools? We'll consider checking out Tech Builder at magaw.io. In a few moments, it can take your corporate domain and detect all your tools and help you create a visual data flow in just minutes. Check it out today at magaw.io, which is M C G A W.io. I was um, training for an Ironman Helped to like think through this like long journey because the, the ups and downs the struggle. Cause I feel like if you like that thing in marketing, that's probably why you love doing Ironman's, the, the struggle, the triumph, the adrenaline rush. Have you always been a, a runner and athlete or is this something new that came about?
0: Yeah, I have definitely always played, you know, team sports and kind of skied my whole life and hiked and always been active. I always wanted, I've done like half marathons is kind of the most I've done like physically in that type of realm. I've always wanted to do, it's it's a half Ironman. I well, I probably, I mean, you make time for what you care about, but I don't think I could make time for a full marathon with, with my family and work life and make it work for me. But I always wanted to, and my goal was to do it before I turned 40. I just decided like, Hey, I just, I just need to do it. Like I need to stop pushing it off, stop making excuses. And yeah, it's It's been hard. I mean, I haven't even started aggressively training yet. Like my, my event is not until September, but like I went swimming at five 30 in the morning the other day. And after I swam 2000 meters, I did like a 10 mile bike ride. And, and I've also been doing it without technology because like part of the Ironman is you can't have your phone or like music or, you know, any type of connection. So it is, is like a mental thing as well. So it's, it's kind of, it's terrifying to kind of be by yourself with your thoughts for that long when you're training, but it also like you really work through some stuff and really kind of get some cool perspective when you're, you know, breathing and exercising and getting that, that energy going. So it's been, been a unique, like discovery of, of who I am
1: you're writing a book about balance and what are some lessons you could teach people right now about how to balance work and life and the importance of it?
0: Yeah. Part of the inspiration for this is, first of all, was being that executive kind of founding team role at a startup and just how stressful that is and how it can really overtake your life if you let it. And honestly, like work will overtake your life if you let it like, I started to recognize, and part of this was from the startup too, like I recognize like this this is never ending, right? Like there's a board meeting every quarter. And even if you had an amazing quarter, it's like, okay, what are you doing next quarter? You know, like it's it's just this never ending growth expectation. And so I stopped kind of like connecting my, I don't know what the right word is. Like self-esteem feels like a little too too close but like I started stopped tying my like satisfaction to that type of thing and took it a little bit smaller like it was more like project based you know is, uh hey I, I kind of want to learn how to do this type of marketing like let's do a campaign around it and if we fail you know we fail we fail fast and we try something different so for me it's it's there's four areas of life you know I mentioned earlier mental emotional physical and spiritual and to really have balance in life. You really need to spend time in each of those areas. And also like you need to have fun and, and challenge yourself in each of those areas. So it could be as simple as like, you know, mental, maybe you're, you're reading a book or like learning or talking to people, you know, you're doing this podcast and I did a podcast, a cloud app and I had executives from tech companies and I was, I was learning from them a lot. And then, you know, physical is, is pretty easy, like eating well and sleeping and, and exercising. And then emotional is like, you know, connecting with people. Like that's a big thing right now with, with remote work is we don't have that, like even introverts, like I'm more of an introvert. My, my wife is like a super extrovert and really good connecting with people. And I am in like bursts, but we all need that connection. We're all humans. Like we, we need to like feel. Part of a family or like a friend group or something. And that's kind of missing, you know, a little bit with remote, remote work. So finding those emotional connections and then, you know, spiritual is like whatever, whether it's like nature or like a higher power or whatever it might be, finding those ways that you can feed that part of your life. That's kind of, you know, how I've broken it down. But that's, it's, I'm kind of excited to keep digging in and, and making those, you know, broader and adding some data behind it and some thoughts from, you know, executives I'm interviewing.
1: I'm interested in how to balance all of those. Cause I feel like sometimes it's when you're committed to let's say physical and the say uh, mental, maybe the emotional and spiritual will fall off. Like, how do you, tie those pieces together to, to have that balance. Cause I feel like that's one of the hardest things, especially for me. I could very well do one or two or three pillars pretty good. And then one Mm -hmm. pillar falls off. So how, how, how do you think about that?
0: Yeah. So I think there's a couple of really basic things, at least for on the balance. So I'm kind of like going to break out those four areas and then I'm going to add a section on like balance at work, balance at home. But I think it's all like, there's a couple of simple things with balance of work. One is like shutting off notifications. Like we're, we're kind of bombarded with Slack and email and text and social and like it never turns off. Right. So having time where your, your mind can be like locked off from those things and recognizing that kind of like embracing the stress that will come from that. Like you may miss some like urgent emails, you know, and have to like catch up on those later. I think that a lot of it is building time for focus. So like blocking out your calendar, you know, yesterday I tweeted, like, don't forget to eat. Like a lot of people just skip lunch or skip breakfast. You know, our bodies need to be fed. uh, Like a lot of nutritionists will say like six times a day, you know, like, uh, three larger meals and then like three snacks in between to kind of like keep your metabolism active. So making sure like I block out time every day for my for my gym time and sometimes I don't go. sometimes I, it ends up being like something else that I focus on but I, I always eat every day. And then another simple thing is just saying no. We are a very much a yes culture, especially in work but it's okay to say no. You've got to build credibility, obviously, to be able to kind of like put the deposits in the bank or like question something before you say yes to it, but you don't have to say yes to everything and it'll be okay. And then the last thing is there's like the Eisenhower matrix, which is pretty cool. Dwight Eisenhower kind of came up with it when he was president. And it's talked about like in the seven habits book quite a bit by Stephen Covey, but it's like, do schedule, delegate, or delete. And it's kind of like, you know, based on urgency or need, you can figure out what you should actually focus on. It's naturally easy for a lot of people to have that planning and scheduling. And for other people, it's a grind. So like, it's like the magic, you know, to form a habit, you got to do it for three straight weeks. So you know, grind for three weeks, if it's like mentally straining to like have a schedule and a plan, and then, you know, it should eventually start to become part of who you are.
1: Yeah, I think that one of the most important things you said that I notice and is the the schedule part of it, the pre-planning times, because your body gets into that. For example, with social media, I try to have a block to just post during that time period. If I want to be consistent for if I want to be good at working out, I, I schedule the same time every day to work out. If I want to eat well like I'll I'll schedule times to eat so I remember to do that I think that helps so much to keep that routine going and that consistency also a lot of people tell you to do this with also sleeping is like go to bed the same time wake up the same time every single day so you you your body gets into a routine of sleeping well so I think what you said about scheduling Time is super important, especially scheduling focus time, too. I think that's super important as well. I think a lot of people allow people to take over their calendars where you should try to protect the times where you you need to do things to keep yourself balanced, which is awesome. Which I love that point.
0: And it only gets harder, right? Like when you're a junior in your career, you're not a part of a lot of meetings as you get to leadership roles, like you get invited to a lot of meetings and like I question almost every meeting, Hey, does this need to be a meeting? Could we, you know, I came from cloud app where it's like all about async comms. So it was like, Hey, can we just do a cloud app message to eliminate this meeting? Can we just do this in email? No. So I'm always kind of like questioning and fighting for my time and also my team's time. Like, I I'm protecting my team's time. Hey, I need to learn I need to know more about this project that you want my team to do, or I need you to invest a little bit of time and have some skin in the game too. You know, so I'm always always trying to like make that a priority for sure.
1: Uh, that's super important.
0: But also like you kind of mentioned, you know, sometimes you fall off, like if you're focused on mental, you fall off on physical. I, I think that's fine. Like I don't think it's I think I don't think my point is like, hey, you need to do these. Focus on these four things every day. It's more like just recognizing when you're imbalanced in something. Like, oh man, I haven't, if like your, you know, spiritual side is like connection is like nature, right? You're like, oh man, I haven't gone to the ocean or I haven't gone hiking or I haven't gone enjoyed, you know, the snow in a long time. Like I need to go do that. I can feel like I'm low on it. It's kind of like, it's almost like the there's like the love languages book, the five love languages. It's kind of like those those things, right? Like there's five areas, and you can kind of tell when you're like low in one of those. And just more about recognizing and then having like a a go-to of, of what you do. So like winter is really hard in Utah. So I ski and that helps me like get through the kind of really cold times because I'm like really enjoying skiing. And if I'm still if I'm like over it in January or February, like my wife and I, we always go south in like December and January for a couple of days to get some sun and go to a pool or whatever. And we know we need that. So like we kind of already pre-plan it. Right. So it's just kind of recognizing those things.
1: Yeah. I think awareness is a big part of it too. I think just even if you don't, not doing it every day, taking a step back and being aware is super important I want to ask you, since you manage all these, you've managed some teams, what are some tips for leaders on how to become better managers? And you said one thing, like protecting your team's time, but what are some leadership team skills to get the most out of your employees, but also have them respect you as a leader?
0: So I I learned this from a lot of, of leaders who invested in me. My job is to get them promoted and to have them almost like leave me. You know, like they become so good at their job that they get poached by another company or they get promoted at the at our company and they become like a new leader here. That's my job. It's not to like squeeze every last minute from them and you know, I'm going to help them set up goals and I'm going to help them stretch in a way that will help them get promoted. That will help them get raises, that will help them to become a CMO if they want to be, or become a head of content or head of demand. Like, my goal is to get them into my seat. And I'm going to hire people that are probably even more talented than I am, or can like take my job because I want the best possible people on my team. Like, I'm never going to be afraid of someone taking my job. If they do, then, you know, that means I'm not doing well enough, right? So that's kind of my goal is is I'm putting them first and I'm kind of like the person putting them in the situations that will help them achieve their own goals. And that like brings so much loyalty and like excitement and satisfaction and connection. The leaders that were like that for me at Adobe, like I still reach out to them and I have so much loyalty and love for them and i know that the same has been for people that i've managed that they like still reach out to me we still like go to lunch and chat and whatever and i've seen their careers grow and it's it's really cool to do that so that's that's my goal like i have no delusion that someone will stay on my team for their entire career i don't want them to that means a part of me has failed a little bit so i think that's kind of how i approach it
1: yeah, I think that, I think that's awesome. I, I think about it the same way. My whole job was hiring people that want to take my job, <laughs> really, and then if they didn't want to take my job, find them what path they wanted to go next. Um, so I love that, how you said that. I also want to get into the point of how do you get your team focused on priorities? because there's so many priorities in marketing, how do you skim to find the, the top priorities to focus on and make sure they're not focusing on low priority things, even though they need to be done?
0: That's a good question. I mean, I think a part of it is, is them like I usually let them come up with like we do quarterly OKRs um, and I have for the last three companies. I usually have, them, like I'll provide like my goals and then I'll have them come up with their first draft from those. And I think it's a mix of like, it's on me to like fight for only doing those tasks that achieve our goals. Some stuff we have to do, you know, that we just end up having to do, but I always question like, Hey, does this help us get MQL's pipeline or web traffic? If it doesn't, then why are we doing it? And if we still have to do it, how can we create a process that makes it automated in the future or how can we document this? So it's, it's scalable and we don't have to like distract ourselves again from this. So I think it's kind of coming up with a process for each project, having good goals that, that they've kind of invested and created themselves. And then I usually have like a stretch. They'll come up with their goals and I'll either, Try and increase those a little bit. And like missing a goal is not seen as a failure here at all. And it shouldn't be with OKRs, especially. It's more like, okay, we need to adjust next quarters, you know, because we were way off on what we expect we could do. And then I'll try and like ask, you know, what do you want to do? And maybe a content marketer on my team is like, you know what? I actually really like events. And so I'll like be okay, well let's let's figure out some something you can do with the events team to like wet your whistle there or like you know get you some experience there. So I really kind kind of try and explore what they want and then try and build that into their you know quarterly OKRs. I
1: think that's awesome. I think also I think the point where you made about missing goals is not a failure. It's just unless they didn't put in any effort but sure. yeah. uh, but usually if they are putting an effort and we over said pipeline goals or over said number of traffic or some number that is mm-hmm. measurable yet yeah, we could have been overly ambitious and it was a stretch goal or we didn't have prior data to back that up so we were just testing so it's sure. a lot of the yeah i think that's awesome i'm going to ask you one more question from me is what is one thing you see a lot of people doing wrong in marketing today?
0: I, I preach this a lot, but I think it's consistency. I think a lot of things are bailed on far too early. SEO, content, PPC, like all demand, A/B testing, you know, I, everything in marketing. A lot of it is bailed on too early. You know, you'll see you'll see a company. They'll say, "Oh, we were, you know we're going to do content marketing," and they'll they'll blog for like a month. And then they'll be like, Oh man, we're not seeing any results from this. You know, let's, maybe let's try something else. Well, that, you know, that can take like 12 months of like consistent effort to really start to see fruit from it. Same with paid, you know, paid can you start to build lists? You start to build targeting abilities. You start to learn and like AB testing on a website, you know, you learn what works, what doesn't work. You learn things you can, move up and down to increase conversion rate. So like just not being consistent is, is really the thing that is ruined a lot with marketing.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I was talking to someone yesterday about how a lot of marketers don't play the long game because the, of these like short term results and that screws a lot of great marketing because they're, they they would have this email strategy, but now they have to get a bunch of M- MQLs. So they do bad email strategy, or they had like a good demand gen, educational, paid social campaigns running in the background, but they had to shift their budget because revenue was down, and they just quit doing that. That happens all the time. I see just because one month was down, not a qu- not even a quarter. It's just one month was not performing very well, so it's it's crazy. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I would like to give you a minute or two to tell people where they could find you and anything you else you want to you want to say.
0: Sure. Yeah, man. Thanks. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad we could finally you know make it happen. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Jody Marty, LinkedIn, just my name and then instagram jo d dot marty yeah follow me there and kind of join in on my journey with tech and and business and and balance and yeah i think you know it's it's so much about we talk about consistency and really like that's consistency and balance are things that i'm just always seeking for if that's like a goal, then you know you're gonna do pretty well if you're if you're just focused on the kind of those two things.
1: yeah, I mean, I think a lot of life could be very simplified if you are just consistent doing things that like consistently in balance. I think even like you think about multiple things sports, investing, work, if you're just consistently doing something good. You'll be above average in, in the job. I won't say you'll be the best, but you'll be above average in most of those areas of life you're just consistent for a long period of time. Totally. Well, thank you for this. It's been awesome. You too, man. A lot of fun.